You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Our simple prayer this morning is that God will anoint the song and that lives will be changed, lives will be changed, that God, uh, you'll accept this as an offering from your people this morning, and wherever it goes, all across this country, all across this world, as you open doors by your favor for us. Our Father, we declare that people will experience your presence every time this song is played, every time it is sang. We declare that people's faith will be strengthened, and we declare that, Lord, this is the first of many. Father, we give you all the praise. We say it belongs to you, all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, God, we shout a big amen. Amen. Once more, let's celebrate the band. Thank you so much. Good, 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 good. The next one will have a bit of rap in it. Um, I've, I've, got, I've got some skills. <laughs> I've got some skills. But, but serious, either rap or reggae, I think I can do. All the unbelief in your laughter, God will forgive you. All right. Um, let's thank Bimbo Aguade for sharing her God experience with us this morning. Help me tell the person next to you, even if you are still clubbing, I tell them, even if you are still going to club, Tell them God is coming your way. Yes. And we generally say how that, you know, there's a way you come to God, you come to church often, often, often. And after a while, God just marks you. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with going to a club. I like to think that I will go to a club once in a while. Um, yeah. But when you've got kids, it's a bit more difficult. To, it's difficult to tell my daughter, oh, Daddy, where are you going? I just, you don't reach the club. So, <laughs> but I like to think that God will mark you. So what will happen? And God, so what happens is that one day you would go to the club around 1 a.m. And as you're about to enter the bouncer, I would look at you, ah, life point of view. <laughs> he says, that service tomorrow. P, I said that service. You know, just, I just came to drop something for my friend inside. I'm not really staying. I'm not really staying. But have fun, but we trust God. You know, um, we trust God that he will draw you deeper in your walk with him wherever you are. Um, by the way, the gentleman who she mentioned, who toasted her to Christ, the one who used to pack, is our very own minister, Femi Aguade. And we celebrate God's grace over you. All right? It's Kellogg's, that used, to be, that used to be his name in the past. Imported. Eh? <laughs> All right, it is focus message. I just want to very quickly appreciate everyone. Thank you so much. Uh, last Sunday was a good time in God's presence. It was an interesting topic to navigate. Um, and thank you guys for inviting people. There are three people I want to um, quickly mention in church this morning who uh, make my work as pastor of this church very easy. Or not very easy, easier. Okay, it's becoming very easy. It's Esohe in church. Yes, she is. Esohe is um, my ministerial assistant. Will you stand? She's our ministerial assistant, and I just want us to celebrate her this morning. She's the one who sees all the different, no, she's not all, but she sees some parts of me that the church members don't see. But thank you very much, Asoya. God bless you. Um, my very uh, wonderful executive assistant, lawyer, turned poet, and all that things, Caleb Ekwayong, thank you so much. Um, thank you. So essentially, these are the people who help schedule me, remind me, keep me sane, um, and they sometimes just want to drive me crazy. And of course, our very own chief of staff here at LifePoint. Um, you guys don't know this, but she runs this church, essentially, among me, Akinde. Let's, let's just really appreciate her this morning. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right. Um, now that all, all that is done, Pastor Godman has two books out. We mentioned them. One is Gauging Readiness for Marriage. Um, for singles, so I'm not going to read this book. Okay, <laughs> I can imagine reading this and I'm just walking past, like, ah, Idris, I thought we'd been past this already. And then the other one is Solid Building the Marriage of Your Dreams. Okay, um, they will both be on sale uh, behind the curtains, there will be a desk there. Um, um, and they're very they're beautiful books to read, um, not just because I've read them, because I haven't read them and I can't lie, I'm in church, okay, but because uh, PG has been my pastor for. Uh, for 15 years, I think, or more. And, um, not 15, 13, 13 years. And the truth is that he carries God's word in his heart. 
and God has given him special grace, especially in this area. And I'd like everyone to please, 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 please buy a copy. All right. I'd like us to read out of Colossians uh, this morning as we start. Help me ask the person next to you, is this your first time at LifePoint? If they say it is the first time, you try and make a positive impression on them now and during the service, welcome. Maybe if someone you don't know, ask them what's your name and all that stuff. Don't ask for a number. Just say what's your name. Don't scare anyone out of service this morning. Colossians chapter 1. Um, I'd like us to read from verse 13. Paul says about our Lord Jesus Christ, says, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love in whom you have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist, and is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his son, Jesus Christ. Um, the NIV would say he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. So this whole month, we're talking about freedom. The Bible says, in, I think it's, it's John 6, the Bible says, who the Son of Man has set free is free indeed. And I feel a burden in my heart this season uh, for us to discuss this in a bit of detail because I feel that sometimes there's a way that you can be a Christian but yet be dealing with stuff that is not consistent with the Christian faith. And I want us to deal with this this month. Um, that's what I was saying myself. We will, we will go through this until I get to the place where I feel everyone has... Um, the burdens have been lifted. Oh, that's a nice picture. Oh, is that how I look? Okay. <laughs> Could you keep something that's not me up? Because they're going to distract me throughout the service. God bless you. It's a really handsome guy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for your... Oh, I see. Oh, I see the problem. Oh, I see. Oh, I see. So you can't put it back. I see the problem. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, so we're going to be discussing that. All true. So Jesus is our deliverer. He's the one who's rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. And this is important. In fact, as I was preparing for this message, I kept feeling that thing in my heart. You know, who is Jesus to me? You know, I think it was about a year ago. I remember coming to church and I said, I had, I had, had that question in my heart as I prepared for that service. But can you still see the cross? Because you can become so spiritual in comma, but after a while you don't see Jesus anymore. So you know all the Christian songs. You know what is the current hit worship song. And you wonder why the choir is not singing it. You know what they're preaching in most of the major churches in Lagos. Your tongues have moved. They're no longer baby tongues. It's a mix of Portuguese, Mandarin, and Ijo. It's deep. When pastor says, I'm going to preach about freedom, you already know. He's going to quote from, hmm, Idris, he would do, he would do John 6. He might do Galatians today. You kind of, you're, you're, de you're dexterous already. But what happens also sometimes is that you begin to lose sight of Jesus himself. And of that whole not just the experience, but the reality of what he did for us on the cross. Help me ask the person next to you, are you an experienced Christian? Are you an experienced Christian? Yeah, yeah, because you know, when you're so experienced that the basics, but the Bible says, if the foundation be removed, what can 
the righteous do. So let me ask the person, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? Uh, I like the, the story about the blind man who Jesus healed. The Bible says that the Pharisees came and said, wasn't a blind man, it was a paralytic, and said, oh, carry your bed and walk. The Bible says they came to him and said, oh, who, why are you carrying your bed? And it says, the man who healed me, told me, carry, carry my bed, and said, well, who is this person? And it says, I don't know. And I always found that interesting because you can come to church and not have known Jesus. Well, what the Bible says in John 6 is that the Son of Man sets you free. So I tell myself during the week that it does mean that we must always come to terms and hold dear to our heart. And I'll talk about it as the message proceeds. Who Jesus is to us. Who Jesus. Let me ask the person next to you again. But really, who is Jesus to you? I, I, wish, help me, I, I wish we could take time to pass the mic around. Someone say, God, no. Just tell Pierre to move on. No passing mic around. I wish we just start. You say, you in red. Who is Jesus to you? <laughs> and you hear all sorts of things. But in case you are new to church, you've not been to church in a while, welcome. But Jesus is the Son of God who was the price, his sacrifice, the price paid that we mankind may be reconciled unto God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is a fantastic piece of scripture to read. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away and all things have become new. And, and what we read from Colossians here says Jesus delivered us from the kingdom of darkness. He's freed us from the power of the devil. It doesn't mean the devil will stop trying. But we're then free to become everything that God has called us to be. And so I call them the freedom twins. That when God will free us from something, he will free us and liberate us onto something else. I'll come to the people of Israel very quickly. But the Bible says, he will tell Pharaoh, let my people go. He says that they may go and serve me. So you know, Jesus, when he describes in uh, a parable, talks about a house that you know, was demon-possessed. He says they will drive the demon out and tidy it. He says, but a vacancy cannot be left there. So God frees us from Jesus, frees us from guilt and condemnation. Romans 8 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It does not mean we no longer have a conscience that we are training and that is responsive to God. It means that we are free to love. We are free to become an object of love and also to receive the love of God. It says uh, we are free from the fear of death because sometimes the fear of death is just as powerful as death itself. I don't know if there's someone in this place today who is constantly troubled by the fear of death. I like to tell people, look, uh, I know when I say my friends are a bit morbid, but the Bible says, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. It says, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself. I just tell people, I've died already before. Oh, sounds a bit morbid. But hey, you've died before. Smile, it's scripture, Okay. We are free from the requirements of men. Jesus frees us from the requirements of men. Requirements of men. We're free to worship. We're free from the hold of sin. But, you know, and that's the focus of our, so my message is actually titled, Do I Need Deliverance? Is if I am free, like scripture says that I am, if my brother is free, why do I still struggle with some things why do I still struggle or in our family for example let's bring it home why do we still struggle with some particular things why do we see in my life for example someone might say a recurrent pattern of a destructive behavior 
or just an occurrence that I don't want to see? Why does it seem like everyone from my village has a particular limit? You know, for example, you know, I'm not, I've been, I've been impressed that I talk too much about Ibadan people, so I've left talking about Ibadan people. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you just find people from a particular place and you say, but we all seem to behave in the same way. Why do all Nigerians behave like this and I'm Nigerian? But you know, I can't help behaving like a Nigerian. By the way, congratulations. I hear we qualified for the World Cup. All of you didn't watch the match. You didn't watch it. You didn't think, we'll do it. Shame to bad people. All right. But why? Because surely... Surely, and, and this discussion is centered around the things you see in your life, the outcomes you see in your life. And why it seems like, regardless of the fact that Colossians here, Paul says in the letter to Colossians, that the church calls it, look, Jesus has delivered you. Why do you still see certain things? Because somebody says, surely, and I, and I get this every now and then. Some people say, look, P.I., I need deliverance. Let me ask the person next to you. Tell them, do you need deliverance? Do you need deliverance? And, you know, and, and, you know, with all due respect to our fathers in the faith, because they've built a foundation upon which our faith is going. But when we think of deliverance, it's a, and oftentimes, set, it's like a set of complex spiritual exercises. So if I said, you for, so if, for example, ah, I'm taking Falabi for deliverance. You immediately imagine candles. You imagine Falabi shaking and jumping. You imagine me praying in very strong language. And Falabi is like, ah, did I enter PI's message again today? You know, you imagine all sorts of spiritual gymnastics. In fact, if your imagination is vivid or you've watched African magic long enough, you imagine manifestations to stop the operation of a negative or evil spiritual force. I want to deal with that. Do we need deliverance? Especially since the Bible says that Christ has delivered us already. So why do we still have all these struggles? And I don't make little of this because I know that, and it's not just because we live in Africa, but I do know that certain people have noticed certain things. So I don't make light of it. The people who have, to, maybe, and you, if you don't notice, you've even heard stories where they say, ah, nobody in this, everybody in this family dies at a particular age. Or of a particular thing. And, and Africans, we are superstitious. We're not as superstitious. Well, nowadays, we're still moderately superstitious. Well, in a sophisticated manner, we're still superstitious. So, our forefathers, when they did not understand something, would put a spiritual tag on it. And so, how we dealt, so in one part of the country, we dealt with twins as there must be something wrong. There's a demon has divided the child in the belly. And so they would throw the twins away. Now we're all praying for twins. Okay, well, I don't know about you guys, but twins are very efficient. There's an economics, not, not in this sense, but there's an economics around it. You just do everything quickly and move on. All right? But now we're all, you know, you know. But at a time when we couldn't understand this, so, huh, will we get better too, too? Or three, no, she's demon possessed. Throw all the babies away and throw Wumi away or wherever they thought. That was, and, but you were like, oh no, that's barbaric. But that's what we did years ago. So albinos, anything we couldn't understand, we said it was spiritual. In fact, I normally tease people and say that as life goes on, I'm going to get cats in my house. I mean, I was going to get six black cats and one white one. <laughs> I 
I can just imagine the life pointers coming to my house, just seeing the black cat strolling up and down. It's like, that's the last time I'm going to his house. And even the church, I'm not going again. <laughs> and and you, you and I know, just even the thought, six, you go and visit your friend. I find a country, say, oh, please come in, come in. And just see the black cats coming out. <laughs> ah, Femi, I have an appointment. I just remembered now. I just, I'll call you back, eh? And as you're going, you're deleting him on all your, every means of communication, blocking him. You know, let me tell your neighbor, relax, relax, relax. And so, I do know that we've been framed as Africans to spiritualize stuff. And I am not saying that spiritual world or the spiritual world is not real. However, I've said it here before that not everything that is spiritual is demonic. And that you must never let people drag you into a place where everything must have a supernatural meaning. You must be very careful about that. Like I said, sometimes we do see patterns. You know, and you know, and I've also said to people, you need to come to the place where you understand that sometimes the patterns that you see are explainable just because you share the same genes or DNA. And sometimes just because you've been in the same environment. Sometimes because you share the same temperaments. I, I remember uh, years ago, um, I was staying with an uncle and he would take me to work um, and we're actually working in the same building. And this uncle is very, very quiet and very deep. And so as he's driving on the road, ever so often he would just sigh deeply. Hmm. And, and I really never understood what was happening. But what was interesting to me was that after a couple of weeks of exposure, after a while I just found myself sighing deeply. Hmm. And, and I'm not joking, I'm being very serious. And it, it, you know, so I would just catch myself ever so often. So I just want to put that out there for people who say, but I've noticed this same pattern, that not all of it is necessarily supernatural. I've heard them tease my EA before, Caleb, that they're supposed to say, oh, that after a while they realize that every now and then he talks like me. I've heard him talk, I don't really think so, but hey. You know, but my point is, sometimes just close association. Sometimes people do not realize that your parents have taught you how to think and how to make choices. And so sometimes when you're making your choices, you just make the kind of choices that your parents would typically have made. Sometimes it's an issue of our temperament. They say, ah, all the women in that family none of them can get married. Even the ones that get married, they don't stay. And we've all heard this before, I suspect. But sometimes you just observe the people in that family or in that circle and you just realize that it's an issue of temperament. I mean, the women are just very, sometimes, you know, very strong personalities. And in that case, it's simply an issue of proper training and counseling. I mean, where I come from, Bini people are normally not quiet. The Oba doesn't allow that. We are all very strong personalities. We all, you know, talk, talk, give our opinion. My my mother is a, my mother is my mother is very expressive, and to be her son, you have to be expressive. You have to be combative. The first time she saw me two or three years ago, I mean, two years ago, growing a beard, she just lost it. What is all this, Dad? And I was like, ah, at my age, you know, I was like, what's this about? And I remember saying to her, well, mom, I don't complain about your makeup. You can't do this to me. But that's exactly how you have to talk to my mom. You have to talk to my mom. And she calms down. And she's a loving woman. Born again, spirit-filled, dickiness she is. But my point is, you, you have to understand that not all the patterns are spiritual. Not all. And I'll come to this. I'm going ahead of myself a bit because... When you read through Genesis, the Bible will talk about, you know, um, Abraham and some of his children. And you would see certain things that were similar. In fact, one or two occasions, you would see them fighting as it were the same type of battle. So why do I still see all this struggle? So you say Jesus has delivered me. 
It just feels like something that's in the Bible. But in my reality, I still feel like I need external intervention. I need something, something big. I need to go to a mountain. I need to go somewhere where they will do some, maybe some a mountain. They give me some water, uh, tie two handkerchiefs around my ears. Uh, they, something needs to happen. This is how God has explained it to me. And I'll try and share this with us simply. When God calls the people of Israel out of Egypt, he sends them a deliverer. And you know the story. It's an interesting you know, couple of days as they interact with Pharaoh. You know, Let my people go. No, I won't. And you know, God is saying, don't worry. Leave him for me. I will harden his heart. And though you know the story about the plagues. And finally, there's the master, you know, plague. And then, you know, Pharaoh says, let's let them go. And God begins to point out to me that once the people were set free, they go on a journey. They go on a journey to get into the promised land. And so this is how, you know, for me, I want someone to try and, you know, process this is that we've been delivered by our Lord Jesus Christ from the power of darkness and then are on a journey of manifestation. Are on a journey of manifestation. Let me, so, it's like... Um, so, yes, so this will help. So, you, so, Josh wants to travel to... to what's a good, where do you want to go to? Switzerland, yeah? You want to go to Switzerland. Why? Okay, so Josh wants to go to Switzerland. All right, he's, he's, he's online. He's falling in love with this Swiss girl, and, and, and they've been exchanging emails. She's Christian, right? And he says, "I want to go to Switzerland." Josh has a Nigerian passport, so Josh goes to the Swiss embassy. They're, they're like, "Yes, young man, what do you want? I'm a musician, talented, but then I'm in love with this Swiss girl. Your citizen. She's asked me to come. Like, really?" And they they, they put him all through. And then they give Josh a visa. Josh comes out of the embassy. He dances. Shame to bad people. Nobody else has this Swiss visa. I'm going to see the love of my life. I look at my visa. He's showing people on the road. He puts it up on Instagram. I've got a visa. All right? So Josh has got his visa. He has authorization from the country, from the authorities of that country to, to appear in that country. In fact... When you try, so let's say uh, someone else, uh, Nene, for example, who I don't think has a Swiss visa, I think, all right, and she shows up at the airport. Even in Nigeria here, they won't let her go. So she doesn't even have an opportunity to appear at the border of, the, of Switzerland to say, to explain to them why, look, I'm a prayer warrior for my country, let me into it. No, she doesn't even have that opportunity. Because she doesn't have the she has other visas. She doesn't have that, that particular visa. She she doesn't have that opportunity. Because even in our country here, the guys at the at the airport are very happy to tell you, okay, I don't know you, you know how this works. You need a visa. They say, show us, you say, I don't have. I, I'm a prayer, I'm a man of faith. They say, no, guy, you don't understand. You're not getting on this plane without your visa. And so we go back to Josh. Josh has a visa. He's shown everybody, he's testified in church, he's told the choir. He sang a song. In the middle of the song, he tried to let us know that God will make a way. And God has given him a visa. He puts it all in there. But you and I know that Josh will not see the love of his life. This Swiss girl, what's her name? Come and help my story, Josh. Elizabeth's a local name. I need like a Swiss name. Huh? Anne. Is that Anne in the choir? But Anne. So you and I know that Josh is not going to see Anne. And I hope there's no... Don't, don't use me to do your romantic something. But <laughs> Okay. He's not going to see Anne. He's not going to see Anne except he takes his visa and gets on this journey. So he needs to get on... But he can, he can be at the place where he says, ah, they've given me this visa, but who knows if it's fake? The way that guy was looking at me that day, he might even know Anne's family. Maybe he just wants to embarrass me globally. Ah, I'm not going. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not going to die. 
I'm not, or someone might challenge him at the airport. Say, this visa doesn't look, because sometimes that happens. Oh, this is your, some, the way the immigration, they look at it, so your visa doesn't look right. I say, okay, just give me, I'm coming. I'll just go back to where I'm coming from. And, and hold that, because, so God frees the people of Egypt, of Israel, from Egypt, and then they proceed on a journey. Because see, what happens is this. A couple of things. Once God delivers you from Egypt, Egypt does want you back. Or Egypt doesn't just give up immediately. Egypt does want you back. Egypt does want to be able to influence and to determine the things that happen in your life. The devil is not passive. The Bible says he's going around like a royal lion looking for those who he will devour. So Egypt does want you back. Sometimes you also do not know it, but sometimes you are there's a conditioning that has happened in the heart of a man, even in a place that he doesn't like or want. So I was reading for the study for the message, and I I was just amazed at the number of times the Israelites would say, Look, Moses, let us just go back to Egypt. I'm like, ah, guys, didn't you suffer enough? But what it was is that sometimes you're like he that is down needs fear no fall. I am used to this pattern. I am used to this affliction. Would you tell the person next to you, tell them that God has set you free. Tell them that God has set you free. And so Josh will have to make that trip. He will have to buy a ticket. He will have to show up at the airport. He will have to proceed. He will have to proceed with a certain confidence that comes out of that visa that was put there. I don't know if, if, you, if you remember the first time you traveled to an unknown country. But no matter how, you know, you, no matter how, you know, exposed you are, you're going to a, a country for the first time, especially if you have the visa, you still just wonder, how is it, what's going to happen at immigration? Of course, if you have like a, you, know, you have like one of those blue passports, you're like just here. I'm here. I'm here to enter your country. No, that's fine. But if you have a Nigerian passport, you tend to be a bit, you know, interested as to how it's going to play out. But you know, the visa on that thing gives you some amount of confidence. It's what allows you buy tickets. It's what allows you board a plane. It's what allows you to smile at the immigration officer on the other side. For someone, and I'm really jumping ahead of my message, as I prepared for this, you know, I began to get this impression that there are people who need to take certain steps in the direction of the deliverance that Jesus has given them already. I don't know who it is, but there are people who you begin, you need to plan certain steps. The way Josh will plan his trip. He will tell Anne, I now have my visa. I will show up on such and such a day, on the 13th of February 2018, so that we can spend Valentine's Day walking around the streets of Switzerland. I don't know what struggle, what restriction you thought you had seen from the effect of sin or perhaps the effect of a curse. Someone said a curse, and I'm going to talk about that very soon. But the Bible says that God, Jesus, has delivered us. He's put the stamp on your passport. He's put the stamp on your passport. You know what happens is, sometimes you go to a selfish country, I want to travel to your country, they say, how many weeks? You say, I'll be there for two weeks. You come, they give you two weeks one day. Like, why? Why? Why are you wicked? Why? <laughs> Sometimes you go to a country like, we like your face one year. Sometimes they put two years. The stamp that Jesus put on your passport doesn't have a time limit. It wasn't a one month visa, it wasn't a one year visa. I don't know who it is. Because, you know, you can live your Christian faith without understanding the power of what Jesus did on the cross. The Bible says in Mark 11 that one time Jesus spoke to a fig tree and he said, your cost, nobody shall eat of you anymore. And the Bible says he went, 
he walked away. The Bible says the next day they were coming back, his disciples looked at the tree and says, oh my goodness, it's withered from the roots. And Jesus looks at them like, ah, you guys surprised. And that tells us that when they left the scene that day, the fig tree still looked the same, perhaps. Otherwise, the disciples would immediately have said, ah, Jesus, the fig tree you cursed just now is all gone. So it is, what is this journey? What is this journey that I must take to ensure that my deliverance in Christ Jesus is expressed in every aspect of my life? In every aspect of my life. I don't know who it is because some people, there is definitely someone here who still is not sure if they are under a curse. Let me tell someone you need to take the journey. 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 There are three things, and and I just put them here and we'll pray, that I strongly believe are important. Oh, by the way, you know, a couple of months ago, we had this discussion about pain and suffering. And I think that is useful for someone. I think our messages are all on SoundCloud. I can't remember the title of the message. I think it might have been four quadrants of pain and suffering or something like that, if I remember. But I remember that message saying there are four quadrants, that there's such a thing as self-inflicted pain. And self-inflicted pain was quadrant one. And I said, that is what happens when you act consistently in foolishness. Uh, I beg your pardon, sorry, but that's the truth. Oh, okay, let's put it nicer. When you do not act in wisdom. My favorite example is that if um, a soher, for example, refuses to drink water, just says, I like Coke, I like Coke. Excuse me, drinking Coke, drinking Coke. All right? And I'm preaching to myself at the same time as I'm saying this. All right? And so I just drinks Coke, no water. Then one day she comes and says, I have a headache. So Tolu Adelo, who's very, yeah, Tolu Adelo, who's very anointed, says, I'm just going to lay hands on you. And he lays hands on Esohe. The headache disappears. That is a manifestation of the mercy of God. Not an endorsement of foolishness or bad behavior. But let's say she moves on from there. Two weeks, no water. Tolu comes again, lays hands. You and I know that one day she might not find Tolu. Or one day to look just vex and say, I'm not doing it. But our point is, that pain, that experience, has nothing to do with a demon. It is simply the absence of knowledge or correct, just understanding what to do. So we said, contract one, responds to the mercy of God and the acquisition of wisdom. And just in case, because our default a number of times is just us praying, ah, God, this headache, 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 and that's not going to change it. I remember quadrant two. I hope I can remember the quadrants. Quadrant two, we said, um, was the pain that is necessary to grow up or to mature. Um, and, and, and that doesn't, that doesn't go. But the Bible would say there's, there are trials that are meant to build your character, to train you in patience. And that God will take you through rigor every now and then. Somebody says, ah, but that's not fair. But <laughs> that is the truth. But there, is th- there are things that God will bring and introduce into your space and your life to make you stronger, as it were. The Bible says he decided the path that the nation of Israel will go down. He says because if they do not go down this path, he says when they see battle, they will turn back. And so there is that which is necessary for the building of character. Okay? Gold is purified as you put it through fire. You cannot cast and bind that one through. We talked about ah, quadrant three. Must, and I should have checked this. Quadrant three, I think, was from other people. Some good students in the class. I'm impressed. Ah, was that which comes from other people? Things that other people have done. Right. And we talked about how that responds to love, to wisdom also, to understand how to position yourself in relation to people. But it also responds to forgiveness. We say you must forgive before you are bitter because the Bible says when there's a root of bitterness that all sorts of defilement come. The last one, we remember quoting uh, Jesus healing a woman and saying, ought we not to lose this woman who the devil has held down for so long? So, like we're, so, so you must be able as a Christian to understand 
where this is coming from. Where this is coming from. And so we're particularly dealing with quadrant four type things. Things which you can't, you just think, this seems to have a, seems to have a spiritual origin. So to bring it home, you know there are certain behaviors or certain things that happen to people. Even in your sophistication, you've been to Harvard and all. Sometimes at the back of your mind, you'll say, ah, it's as if they're doing this boy from somewhere. <laughs> you know, with your friends, you just say, ah, oh, no, it, uh, hmm. he did it again. Hmm. It's his village people. You, you kind of, you, you, you've been to Harvard. You, 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 you're awesome, but you know that at the back of your mind, you're like, this is not natural. They are doing, they are moving him somehow. But the Bible says in Colossians 1, and I don't want you to forget this church, that Jesus has delivered us. So he say, Idris, look, but there is a journey I need to, like the fig tree, it takes time sometimes so you, for you to see certain things on the outside. But he say, Idris, what are the three things? Very quickly, I'll talk about them. I put in my notes the need for Christians, us, you and I, to feel our hearts, and our lives with Jesus and to grow in our experience of who he is. To fill our lives with Jesus and to grow in our experience of who he is. I say this to myself. Am I growing in my understanding of who Jesus is? Paul praying for one of the churches speaks about a multiplication of grace that comes as you are bound in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. Am I growing? Have you known Jesus anymore? Have you known God any better? Someone says, but how do I know God any better? How do I know Jesus any better? It's very simple. It's by spending time with him. It's by consciously dedicating your heart and your life to him more. It's very simple. And why is this important? There is the need to, to be able to focus your heart and your mind. I say that you must let the supremacy of God's love rule in your heart and in your life. You must let the supremacy of God's love. As Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 3, he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the sense what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height of God's love, that the love of God which passes all knowledge, uh, to know the love of God which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. The ability to stand firm, to stand firm and unshakable, to stand firm and unshakable must be derived from an understanding of God's love for you. So the fact that God loves you irrevocably. The fact that God loves you more than anyone can love you. That he loves you more than Chinedu, more than Namdi, more than Olumide, more than any man, any man can. That fact must be rooted and established in your heart. Because what happens is that any Christian who loses sight of the love of God Bible says he will begin to walk in fear. Bible says fear has torment. Because what happens is that the devil then begins to bring suggestions and illustrations into your heart and into your mind. He begins to bring you to a place where he begins to make subtle threats to you. I, I, I put down in my notes that there is a way that negative thoughts can be sown in the heart of a man and that those thoughts, once they take root, almost become self-fulfilling prophecies. And I used to say, look, that the devil does not need to assign demons to a man who has bought a lie from him, whether retail or wholesale. When the devil can tell a man you are a failure, he just leaves that man and goes somewhere else. He says, guys, let's pack. Our work here is done. And so it is the responsibility in Christ of every born again child of God to fill their hearts with Jesus, with the word of God, with the knowledge of God. 
Otherwise, you leave yourself free. So you've been delivered. But like I said, Egypt wants you back. The Bible says, once the Israelites had left, Pharaoh realized, my goodness, we've let them go. He said, guys, let us go and chase them. When we were younger, and I didn't like to fight. I still don't like to fight. I generally don't like, I'm not very keen on, on, on violence. But, so, the, so, so people would, as they, you know, I don't know if it happened when you were in your school, but you would like, you know, little kids, and you threaten people. Oh, you're trying me, and so you don't know who I am. I've got told I don't want to fight. You know, like, oh, no, but you're trying me. No, no, you touch me. Ah, no, you touch me first. You know, and then you keep on going like that. You no, no, just touch. If you touch me today, you will know who I. Am. No, I said you touch me. I'm here. Touch me. You know, you go back and forth. The bad people in the class are trying to push you guys together. You know, then the one, the one that came to mind as I prepared was the one where they now somebody will now, you know, then draw the line on the floor. Huh? I've drawn that, pass that line. <laughs> you guys all went to posh schools, but in my school, I, I, no, if you know you have two heads, pass this line now. <laughs> and what happens is that the way the devil will work, because he's then not got no real authority or power over the Christian, is that he will then draw lines. I prepared for this, I was like, I don't know what lines have been drawn for certain people. I don't know what lines have been drawn for certain people. But Jesus has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom. I don't know where they told you, you cannot pass here. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Such a powerful statement. Because if you dwell on a thought long enough, you probably will end up there. So the first thing is about growing in Jesus. It's about about filling your heart with an understanding of God's love. That there should be no day that passes without you telling yourself, looking into scripture, meditating upon the love of God for you. Have you not heard that when the sun comes up in the morning, it's an SMS from God reminding you of his faithfulness. It's an alert from heaven, specially designed for you. Yeah, me see. Saying that forget about everybody else. This is all about you. Have you not heard that when God puts out and spreads out the stars and the clouds, but he's essentially trying to remind you of how powerful he is. Second thing, and very quickly, is this whole concept about stepping out into new territories. There's a concept called learned helplessness. When you've been you, you, before you came to Christ, you were so used to the different operations of the power of darkness. I said to people, look, one of the most subtle things, one of the most powerful tools of darkness is not in its effect in, you know, the, you know just physical things. No, guys. The Bible says there is a spirit at work in the children of disobedience. There is a, it says that, 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 that says, how does it put it? It says that the God of this world has blinded the eyes of them who believe not. So, there is the influence of the devil on the minds of people. So if the devil wins the battle of the mind, he's won the battle of life. And so what sometimes happens before people get saved, except the love of God, is that they are brought to a place where the devil has laid out boundaries for them in their thinking, in their minds, and say, this is what you will do and become and how much you can do. This is what you will never do in life. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a cost. I don't believe that for a believer, except by the leading of the Holy Spirit, that, I mean, if there's, there should be nothing in life that you should tell yourself, oh, I can never do this. I mean, when I say that, I mean in terms of good and godly aspirations. Except the Holy Spirit will say to you, no, this is not part of your destiny. So I wonder, what is the boundary that has been drawn for someone in this church today, in the service? That side is a cause. But the Bible says you've been rescued. So who, who, did, who told you you could not get an education? Who told you you could not marry? Who told you you could not be faithful? Who told you that you could not become wealthy? Who told you that it's not people like you that travel abroad? Who told you that you could not become wealthy? 
someone popular, someone great in community to the glory of God? Who told you you could never sit in government? Who told you? Who drew the lines for you? Who told you that you could never be a minister? You could never preach the gospel? Who told you that you could never live until 50 or till 60? Who told you? And I know the devil is very good at advertising. And he would reference people. He would say, didn't you see what happened here and there? And so says Idris, but I'm not conscious of it. Somehow ask yourself, where are the boundaries you have drawn for yourself? Every country has a map. If I tell you to draw the map of Nigeria, you possibly won't draw it accurately, but you kind of know the shape. In your hearts today, you carry a map for yourself, for your life. Every single one of us does. Every single one of us does. I used to tell people how that fear, I would say fear has torment. And I used to say fear is doing things or imagining things with your mind which are contrary to the desires of your heart. And so you're, in your innermost being, you are pulled in two different directions. Without any physical pain, you are in tons of pain on the outside, in the inside. And so to, the, to everybody else who is looking, you are okay. But there is torment on the inside. But Jesus has delivered you. There is a journey of manifestation. The Bible says in Hebrews 6, it says we will not be slothful, but we are followers of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. We allow the promises of God to manifest in our lives. Lastly, for this month and all through this month, we'll talk about freedom. We'll talk about who Jesus is. I promise someone in church, you will fall in love with Jesus like never before. And you will literally fall in love with it. He will become your fascination this month. The Bible says, through faith and patience. There's a, and this is the last point for this morning. There's this thing about being decisive. And, and, I, and I get this from the centurion's story. The centurion has asked Jesus, please come heal my servant. My servant is ill. As they're going on, certain things are happening. And then he gets to a point, the man says, hang on. He says, I get it. And don't forget that Jesus describes this as one of the greatest expressions of faith. He says, I get it. He says, hang on, Jesus, you don't have to come to my house. He says, I'm a man under authority. I say to one, go, and he goes, and one, come, and he comes. He says, Jesus, would you send the word only? Would you send the word only? As I prepared for this, I began to say, the man understood permission. He said, Jesus, you don't even have to come and shout. No, no, you don't have to come and do anything elaborate. He says, all you need to do is send the word. And you know, I began to hear that question in my heart. What have I been speaking to in my life? What am I supposed to be speaking to in my life? The Bible says, <laughs> I'm going to finish, I'm going to finish now. But what am I supposed to be speaking to? I cannot afford to be a spectator in my own life. I say to people, you are the chief prophet over your life. You are the chief prophet over your life. That God has delivered you. You have the visa. It's a non-expiring one. Sealed by the blood of Jesus. And so when the different immigration officers show up and say, my God, it is not people like you that prosper you show them the visa and if they don't hear you call the person who issued the visa to you they say it's not people like you that build houses in Lekki it's not people like you who aspire to this place I don't know where the boundaries have been drawn for someone they tell you you're going to end up exactly like your father he left your mother he did this you need to stand in the name of Jesus in fact, the way it occurred to me, it says, what will you permit in your lineage? Okay, so yes, your parents or grandparents out of ignorance allowed certain things to come through the lineage. No problem. But is there anyone who will make a decision and say, thus far and no further? That when my children arrive on the scene, this is not going with them. I remember telling my wife months ago, I said, there was one particular thing, you know, I saw in my parents' marriage, 
And I said, it's not coming to our house. I said, God is helping me. It's 13 years. It's not come to our house. Follow me. You need to figure out a song to sing. Maybe. You can, you can sing. I can suggest that song to you. But we're done. We're done. We just need to pray. The Bible says in Numbers 23. So he just says, we're done. And he goes off. You know, but it's fine. Numbers 23. That Balak said, come, come and help me curse these people. Come and pronounce something over these people. It says, these people are big. It says, but come and pronounce a, a curse over them. Numbers 23. I love it because the man keeps on trying. In fact, at one time, God is warning him, don't go. At one time, God says, go. Then I says, go in. God, you know, corners him and his donkey. And, says, and, and then he shows up, but he keeps on telling the king. He says, chief, you don't understand this. He says in Numbers 23 in verse 20, uh, from, verse, from verse 19, he says, God is not, oh, I read NIV, I need NKJV. God is not a man. Numbers 23, 19. We're going to pray now. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said it, and will he not do it? Has he spoken it, and will he not make it good? He says, Behold, I have received a commandment to bless. He says, He has blessed. And I cannot reverse it. He says he has blessed and I cannot reverse it. The NIV says he has blessed and I cannot change it. Verse 23 says, For there is no sorcery against Jacob, nor any divination against Israel. Oh, things are more What are the boundaries of your life? What are the boundaries you have drawn in your heart? Would you bow in prayer before the one who is our king this Lord's day? And would you just please humor me and ask yourself the question? David was said. Why are you so downcast, oh my soul? Put your trust in God. Would you put yourself, your soul, on a chair this Lord's day and say, What are the boundaries of your life? Who prescribed for you how you think you would end up, where you think you would go, what you think you should own, what you think you would do, the things you think you would amount to? Who told you where you would come, where you would go, where you would stop, where will you start, how long you would leave, how well you would leave? Who told you? Who told you? Who told you? Who told you? Where was the line drawn for you? Hey, I don't know who you are, but that line needs to be crossed in the spirit this Lord's day. I don't know what they told you you could not amount to. I don't know who they told you But God's word says it's delivered
Thank you for listening to a message from the Life Point Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.